mind that the Lord of all the earth would care to know my name, would care to feel my hurt. Who am I? Welcome to Who Am I? with Pastor Greg Tyra of Harvest Chapel in Williamsport, Indiana. We're glad you could join us as we teach through the Bible, chapter by chapter, verse by verse. Today's lesson is one in which we know you'll be enlightened to the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Let's listen in to Pastor Greg as we launch today's lesson on Who Am I? Turn in your Bible with me to 1 John chapter 4. Now we're going to be beginning this morning in verse 7. 1 John chapter 4 in verse 7. But by way of review, we want to always look back, kind of get a little bit of perspective. And verse 6 says this, We are of God. He who knows God hears us. And he who is not of God does not hear us. By this we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. Just a couple more points and we can move on to this morning's text. Um, One, there's obviously only two main spirits. Spirit of truth and spirit of error. There's only two ways. The way of God's way or every other way, even though they might present to you that there's a lot of other ways. And so when they listen to us, because remember our text is testing the spirits. First, you want to test your spirit to make sure you're in the faith, examine yourself. But then you're testing the other spirits. Who am I listening to? What are they saying? Uh, Where do they get their wisdom? Is it earthly, central, demonic, or is it from God? Does it line up with truth? This is the way we test it. There has to be some standard to test it against. Well, the spirit of truth. Truth is a person. It's Jesus Christ. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. So everything must be tested through the sunglasses or through the Bible, through the eyes of the Bible, through the eyes of truth, through the spirit of truth. And so when you are out witnessing, and we are called to go, when you're out testing the spirits, and we are commanded to test them, when you're examining, you're trying, you're putting them on trial. Listen, when they hear you, they have the spirit of God, the spirit of truth. When they don't hear you, they have the spirit of error. When they begin to argue and quarrel, when they don't receive it, they say, I'm not listening to that. I don't believe in the Bible. It's tainted. All of those things can test. It can give you a litmus test as to whether they have the Spirit of God dwelling in them. Because there's so many people that claim to be Christians, and then they say, well, I don't believe that. I wish I had a dollar for every person who said they was a Christian, and I would tell them something about the Bible, and they go, well, I don't believe that. Well, you need to because the way of life winds upward. And if you don't receive correction, you're stupid. And the Bible is trying to correct you. In fact, we just talked about this before service. Reproofs of correction are the way of life. 
None of us are purified completely. None of us are perfect. None of us look like Jesus yet. And that is the place we're going to perfection, to holiness, to Christ-likeness. So we need to receive the instruction. We need to receive the knowledge. We need to read the scriptures. And when we put our face in the perfect law of liberty, in this mirror, and we look at ourselves, what do we see? Because the Word of God is living and powerful. It's sharper than any two-edged sword. It's able to divide the bone and the marrow and the soul and the spirit. And it is a judge, a discerner of the thoughts and intents of your heart. And so it wants to correct you. It wants to help you. It wants to be a guide that leads you straight to the throne room and straight to Christ's likeness. And the first person who needs to hear it in order to grow by faith is you. Me, we need to hear it. And faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And then we take what we hear when we're in the face of God and we present it to somebody else. When I'm at the gas pump and I begin to speak, I'm testing that spirit. Does it want to hear about God? Now, listen, because some people will say, well, they didn't want to hear, so I walked away. We don't stop just because they say no. Because we are truth bearers. We're supposed to come and witness of the truth. We're supposed to be dead to what we want to do. It's Acts 1.8 if you want a scripture to, 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 to understand this. The boys were talking to Jesus and Jesus rebuked them there in Acts 1. Not in, not in a bad way. He just kind of, that's not for you to know. That's what he said to them. Hey, Jesus, Jesus, they come to him after he rose. Will you at this time restore the kingdom? And he says, no, that's, that's not for you to know. But what is for you to know? You shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Well, what power for Jesus? To be witnesses, the Greek word martyr, it's one who dies for their faith. But we're at Jesus throughout Jerusalem, Judea, all Samaria, and to the uttermost parts of the earth. Well, well Jesus, we wanted to go fishing. Yeah, I know, that's called backsliding. I called you away from fishing. Listen to me. God has given his spirit for a reason. And you need to know now whether you have the spirit, not once you get to the throne room and go, wow, I was following the wrong spirit. And if you're not testing these things, if you're not looking at these things, if you're not into comparing these things and reading the scriptures and finding out these things, then you're probably not God's. It's just that simple. And I know there's a lot of voices out there that will tell you that, oh, yeah, all you got to do is this. And if you're born here or you're born there or you do that, then you're of God. But the Bible has litmus tests. It has evidences. It's Paul, or excuse me, John so many times here says, by this we know. Do you know? Are you coming to know? Are you learning? Do you care? Or are you chasing everything else and it's more important? I'm not telling you to lay down the physical things that you have to do, like if a man doesn't work, he doesn't eat. If a man doesn't take care of his own household, he's worse than an infidel. Listen, there's a lot of Scripture that makes us do what we do and go where we go, but our hearts are not supposed to be here. My citizenship is in heaven. My hope is in heaven because he's seated at the right hand of the Father, and he sent me a, a comforter back to lead me and guide me and teach me and lead me out of this world and to change my heart so that I would desire what he desires and I would live in his house peaceably. But he also gave me the spirit and power to go out and share the gospel with other people so that they wouldn't have to be here. And he's getting ready to tell us if we don't desire to do that, 
we have not love for others. And if we have not love, God is love. And if you don't have love, then you don't have his spirit. It's that simple. These are, these are huge, huge litmus tests for the man of God, the woman of God, the child of God. And yet we sit and listen to them and we go, oh, I wish they'd hurry up. My stew might burn. I got a football game to watch today. My phone just keeps buzzing. Who's looking for me? Listen, this is serious, eternal, your soul, go to hell stuff. It's not a joke. And yet the church sits around like we're playing games. Do you hear? Are you testing your own spirit? Are you happy where you're at? Do you understand that reproofs of correction are the way of life? And we're all supposed to be on the grow. Because nobody's arrived yet. This is serious stuff. That we can be deceived and go to hell for eternity. Oh, hell isn't real. Really, it's the only thing that Jesus talked more about than money. Well, you know, Jesus was a good man. Really? He claimed to be God. See, you get, you get trapped into the truth if you really want truth. You can't get away from truth. He came to find you. He loves you. He laid his life down for you. And then we got, uh, I'm just trying to get to tomorrow. Well, he's going to get you across the finish line. He's going to get you into heaven. He died so that he could do that. He poured out his blood so that that would happen. And if you believe that, then he gives you his spirit. And those with his spirit hears him. Well, why would we want to hear him? Because he's given instruction. And what's that instruction do? It corrects us. Well, what's that do? It makes me have faith in him because I know that he has my best interest in mind. So I want to follow him. You know, it's like that teacher you had in school. I don't know if you had teachers in school that were your favorite, but I did. And I really wanted to go to their class because they talked to me and they cared about me. But there's some teachers that all they do is they just teach and say, get out of here. See, God's not that kind of a teacher. That He's not that kind of an instructor. And he proved it by laying down his life. This is love that, that someone would lay their life down for you. Who does that? What kind of love is this? So do you hear his voice? My sheep hear my voice, and they follow me, Jesus would say. Well, he says, I know them also. But of course he does. He's God. He knows everything. He knows those who are his and those who are not his. Are you testing the spirits to see if you're his? Because he died for everybody. He died for whomsoever will come. But if you continue to resist him in your will, no matter where you go on Sunday, no matter how many big Bibles you carry, no matter what you call yourself, if you resist him and don't receive the correction, you still have ultimately resisted him in your heart. It's not about where you go. It's about who you know. It's about hearing his voice. We covered last week. He who has an ear to hear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the church. Are you the church? Do you have his Spirit? Are you looking to hear? Do you want to hear? 
Listen, he's already given us the power to go and the power to obey, and he'll give you grace for the moment when it comes. Because I've seen people, and I go, oh, my goodness, how did they ever go through that? Well, God gives grace for the moment. He's not giving you the grace now to go through death of a loved one until the death of the loved one happens. Then he gives you the grace. That's called faith. But are you testing your own spirit? Are you examining yourself to see if you're in the faith? And then when you do that, and you're like, yes, I'm in. I know I know God. Now you stay in his face so you can test the other spirits so they don't lie to you because there's a lot of liars out there. You know, those people that followed Jimmy Jones, Jimmy Jones was from Indiana. You guys are like, who's Jimmy Jones? Some of you don't know, but he was a guy from Indiana, a preacher in a little bitty tiny town, and he moved the whole congregation to Indianapolis. And then after they got to Indianapolis, they began to, they kept listening to him, and he moved them all to California. Then he moved them from California to some island, I believe. Am I, is that wrong? He didn't go to California? Northern part of South, but he moved him from California to there. And then he told them all they needed to drink Kool-Aid that he put cyanide in and killed them all. And you go, oh, that's so sad. They weren't listening to God's voice. Do I mean that none of them knew God? No, but if they were listening to what he was saying, they weren't reading their Bible. Because if you got God's spirit, you're going to be able to test the spirits. He is going to show you. You will overcome the world and the lying antichrist because he who is in you is greater than he that's in the world. The spirit of God will not let you follow the David Koresh's. The spirit of God will not let you follow the spirit of air if you will draw near to him. Listen to me. This is important stuff. I fight through the jungle to get up here on Sunday mornings. And I feel like I say the same thing every week, but I don't have any other thing to say. I have to go through the scriptures with you. I have not failed to give you the full counsel of God, Paul would say to the Ephesian elders. Am I perfect in it? No, there's nobody that's perfect in it. I have to stand here and address the topic of love. Are you serious? Who can do that? God is love. How can I address the topic of love? I can feel it. I can, I, I, I can walk in it. I can know when he gives back me in his love. But how do I tell you what love is? I can tell you what the spirit is and what the spirit is not. I can tell you to test it. I can read the scriptures, which we will hear in a minute, that tells us what love does and what love doesn't do. I can tell you that love is not a feeling. Love is an action word. It's not your emotions. Well, I feel like God will love them now because, you know, they, they, uh, they're, uh, well, I think God loves them. Really? That's what you're going to do? You're just going to hem and haul around? You got no factual evidence about your love? You're just going to hem and haul around and say, I just feel like it and my emotions tell me that? Really? That's where you're going to go with this when you've got a book that gives you everything you need to know about life and godliness and you're going to stick with, well, I think that they're sick and they uh, can't quit doing their crack cocaine, so we should give them crack pipes and we should help them in their addiction. Really, that's where you want to stay with this? Really, that's the wisdom we're following? Uh, I think that they're uh, a woman trapped in a man's body, and I think I'm just going to let them stay there, and we're going to use taxpayer money to pay for, for, for their uh, 
transitioning. Really, that's where you want to stay? We got to test the spirits. Listen to me. And if you hear what I'm saying to you right now, you have the Spirit of God. But those are great big points that are easy to see. What about your own heart that hates? What about your own heart that doesn't want to go? What about your own heart that doesn't want to read the Bible? What about the little bitty things that keep you against other people and separate you from doing what you're called to do? I mean, it's really easy to go, yeah, we're the church. We don't let homosexuals in here. Really? We let sinners in here. And homosexuality is just a sin. But we're going to say that out loud. We're not going to say that, oh, okay, you get a right to become a homosexual. You don't have no right to be a drug addict, and you don't have no right to be a homosexual unless you want to go to hell. And if you choose you want to go to hell, I will let you. But I'm going to proclaim that they're both sin forever until God takes me out of this world. I don't care what it is. And when we start isolating these things and making them the main thing, we separate everybody. We divide people into these little bitty subcategories of drug addicts and sex offenders, and we start dividing them. God puts us all in the same boat. We're all confined to sin. We need to get that right. We're all born underneath the first Adam. We're confined to be sinners. And apart from hearing and receiving instruction, and turning, and repenting, we're still sinners going to hell. That's what the gospel teaches. But if you do hear his voice, and you don't harden your heart, he will keep giving instruction. He will make his word known to you. You can keep walking a straight path with him. Doesn't mean you're going to be perfect, but you're being perfected. That's the sanctification process. And you need to learn which voices to listen to. So you have to test the spirits. And how do you test them? Against what the Word of God says. So, but if they don't hear, it doesn't mean that they won't hear. Get this right. We don't give up on people till God tells us to give up. Just because they won't hear today doesn't mean that you don't plant seeds and water other seeds and wait for a harvest and see what the Holy Spirit does. It doesn't change what we do to everybody we meet. But if they don't listen, because I see people that just go, oh, they won't listen to nothing. I'm just washing my hands of them. Really? What if God would have done that to you? like five years ago, 10 years ago. I'm so glad that he didn't do it to me 25 years ago. I've, I've already tried to pursue Greg. I continue to try to wake him up. I keep giving him instruction. I keep telling him that he's a sinner. He needs to get saved. And he just won't listen, so I'm done. My goodness, when does, where did that love come from? That's not the love that, of the God I serve. He continues to pursue us, and even when we're his children, he's pursuing us, and he's trying to change us, and he wants us to be like him. We need to wake up. We need to wake up in the church today because we sleep. And if we'll wake up, he'll give us light. He'll help us walk circumspectly. He'll help us to pursue the right things 
instead of the wrong things. Which spirit are you following today? Are you believing the lie that I once said a prayer and I once read my Bible that now I'm okay? Because you go backward twice as fast as you went forward, if not faster. It's easy to be drugged downhill with the current of this world and its evil and to run backward real fast. Your flesh loves it if you're not dying to self. Which spirit are you listening to? Is it the spirit of truth or the spirit of error? Which could be just the spirit of sin or the spirit of the sin nature. It's missing the mark. Harmatea. Verse 7, John, 1 John 4, 7, as we continue through um, this tiny letter that's packed with so much of God. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God, and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. He who does not love does not know God, for God is love. In this, the love of God was manifested toward us, that God has sent His only begotten Son into the world, that we might live through Him. In this is love, not that we loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has seen God at any time. If we love one another, God abides in us, and His love has been perfected in us. By this we know that we abide in Him, and He in us, because He has given us of His Spirit. And we have seen and testified that the Father has sent the Son as Savior of the world. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God... God abides in him, and he in God. And we know and believed the love that God has for us. God is love, and he who abides in love abides in God, and God in him. And I will stop there. Uh, quite possibly have already read way too much um, because of the content. Father, thank you for your grace and your mercy that you have on us because of your love, that you've made a way for us to choose to become like you, to live with you for eternity. And Lord, we pray that you would help us to make the correct decisions, to test the spirits, to not to follow the spirit of error, but to be led by your spirit because we know that your word testifies that as many as are led by your spirit, these are the children of God. So, Lord, we long to be those children. And we ask you to keep us from the spirit of error or deception from the Antichrist until the day that you come. We give you praise in Jesus' name and for his glory. Amen. Now, let's look back. Um, 1 John 4, 7. Beloved. Let us love one another, for love is of God. Not love is God. Notice that it doesn't say that, because he's going to say twice that God is love. For love is of God, 
It's a characteristic of God. God is love. And if we love, then we know we're part of God or one of his children. And everybody who loves is born of God and knows God. Now, I, want, I, got, I got to slow down and I got to stop. And that's why I said I may have read too much. Because you need to understand a couple things here first. And, and, and the first thing is, is that every time love is used here, it's, it's agape or a form of agape love. And that's a type of love that you can't do on your own. That's a type of love that you cannot have for anybody unless you have the Spirit of God. Because it's unconditional love that comes from God. And it's impossible to fake that. It's impossible, listen to me, without the Spirit of God to obey this text. And Because I know people say, well, you know, I love my brothers, and I love my family, I love my mom, so I must be of God. That's not what he's talking about. That's some type of physical, temporal love. Because there's about four different variations of word for love in the Bible. Eros is where we get erotica, sexual love. It can be proper or it can be in the marriage bed, which is, uh, or excuse me, it can be improper or it can be in the marriage bed, which is proper, eros. Uh, there is the, the, the word uh, philio, where we get Philadelphia, the city of brotherly love. It's a brotherly love. It's a type of love that we can have for one another in the flesh. I mean, you see people having great love for one another. I was in a restaurant yesterday, and some people that don't know Jesus told their own family, I love you, see you later. Had nothing to do with agape. See, agape love, God is love. He laid down his life for us. There's a big difference. And then there's storge, which is just a, a common like love for the others or love for cheeseburgers. And I may be doing a terrible job explaining them, but what I want you to understand is agape love. Without the Spirit of God, you cannot agape anything. Because it has to come from surrendering to the Spirit of God and obeying the truth of God and being led by God to do the will of God. Or there's no agape love for you to do. You're still loving yourself. And one of the other ways, instead of receiving the agape love of God. And it's so important that we understand that God uses this word and wants us to get to the agape love. He even uses it in John 21 when he restores Peter who backslid and was gone fishing. And he said, Peter, do you love me? He says, you know I love you, Lord. But he used the word filio. We've, we've had this lesson. And God bring, God's using the word agape. Do you agape me? And he brings him all the way to the point where God finally says, do you phileo me? And Peter says, yes, Lord, you know all things. But what does he do every time? He tells him to go and do what he's called to do every time. Feed my sheep, tend my lambs. Go and do this if you love me. Because love, agape, is a verb. It's an action word. So in order for us to say that we love somebody and then stay sitting on the couch, I love you, and we never do what we're called to do. We never go with the message we're called to give. We never be the evidence of a life that's saved. We're still in some other kind of love than what the Spirit wants to use our life for. 
The Spirit has called us. The Spirit has sealed us. The Spirit is leading us and teaching us and guiding us, giving us power to go out and be the people we're called to be in the family of God. And we resist Him and we keep loving ourselves. We keep loving those that are lovable. But the love of God came down and loved the unlovable. The love of God came down and was long-suffering with you and me. He didn't just love the lovable because there was no lovable. And in the Spirit, we have to learn that it's not about the emotion of love. I love you, man. It's about the obedience to the truth of God. That's agape love. See, the Father had a plan, and the Son followed it because He loved the Father. That's why Jesus says, if you love me, keep my commandments. And we're not perfect at this. Jesus was. He gave us his perfect position with God. Now he gives us the inheritance to go hand out to others. And he gives us the ability, if we will die to self, surrender to self, if we will lay down our life and deny self and take up the cross, death to self, and follow, his spirit will allow us to agape other people. When you don't want to go to them, you still go to them because you've been commanded to go and teach all nations. That's love. When you lay aside what your prerogative is and what you want to do and what you're capable of doing and what your power and your authority and everything you have, and you put on a garment of somebody else and you go become like them and you tell them the truth no matter what they want to hear. That's love. And that's the love of the Father that he sent down here. And we see Jesus walking out. And I'm like, I have no capacity to talk about this. I have no capacity to talk about this. Except for the gifting of the Spirit and the work of the Spirit. That's it. And I will fail you miserably in trying to help you understand that. But if you sit down and read this book, this love letter from God, he'll not fail you at all. He'll be gentle with you and merciful and gracious and kind. And do everything that you need to get across the finish line. If you'll hear what his spirit has to say to the church today. Not what the preacher has to say, what the Spirit of God is saying to you. Let us love one another. It's easy to show up to church. It's easy to say goodbye, and instead of saying goodbye, say, I love you, see you next week. Do you know anything about the people you're looking at the back of their heads? Do you know anything about the struggles they're going on through the week? Is there any type of fellowship in your life with other people that say that they're the church? See, the true church has koinonia fellowship, all things in common. It comes through the Spirit. It comes from dying to self. It comes from stop pursuing everything that you want to pursue and to begin to pursue relationships with God so souls could be one because they see our love for one another. Yeah, that's not what I signed up for, Greg. Nope, that's not what I said, Greg. That's not what I read in my Bible, Greg. Better read your Bible with the Spirit of God because He's calling His people out of the world. He's bringing them back to His family. He's filling them with His Spirit. He gave His life to save souls, not to make money. 
not to be large or loud and proud, but to save your eternal soul from hell. And that's the perspective we need to always keep. That apart from the love of God, we would all be cast into hell. And there's a whole lot of people out there who are like, I'm not going to talk to them. I was eating this week and found out that this waitress that I think is one of the sweetest ladies ever, she's a Muslim. And I was stumbled in my path. I was stumbled. I'll just tell you. I thought, sure, she's a Christian. In fact, that's what I said when she came and spoke to us again, like we always speak. And I said, you're a Christian, aren't you? And she says, oh, no. I'm a Muslim. And I was like, how could I have been so wrong? But see, I've been praying about her. And I've been asking to be able to talk to her. So the relationship has just begun, really, now that I know she's a Muslim from Canada. I mean, there's a lot more that can go on now. But I was actually taken aback at how nice and loving and kind she was. But it has nothing to do with God's Spirit. It has to do with the spirit of air. Because she's going to go to hell. And, 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 you know, I could have said to her at that moment, Oh, I'm so sorry. I'm a Christian. You're going to go to hell. Or I could have said something like I said, Oh, I didn't know that. You are very kind. And I thank you to, for being so polite to us. Because I was taken aback, seriously. And not much takes me aback. Not much kicks me backward. And, and, and God did that on purpose. So now what are you going to do that she's a Muslim? Are you done? She's not nice anymore. She's a Muslim. So you might do the same thing with a Mormon or a Jehovah Witness or somebody that says they're a Catholic. Any of those things. You might do the same thing and go, I don't know how to talk to him anymore. Listen, when you have the Spirit of God and the truth of God, you just tell them truth. There, Everybody on the planet is, listen to them, they're, they're sinners. Oh, let's box them up. Let's separate them out. Let's make them into classes. Let's talk about their religion. Let's talk about their habits. Let's talk about their sexuality. Let's talk about all the physical traits instead of their soul going to hell. See, because the only answer is the love of God. No matter what they think they are, they need to hear the truth of God's Word. No matter where they think they're going, if they don't understand the truth of God's Word, they're going to hell. So when we start dividing them up and putting them in boxes, oh, oh let's go a little bit closer. Let's talk about their, their left or right leaning. They're conservative or they, uh, you know, let's talk about whether they're liberals or whether they're black or white. or Let's just talk about all those things, Greg, because that's physical. Listen, our battle is not with flesh and blood. Our battle is with principalities and powers a spiritual host of wickedness in the heavenly places. And if we continue to live our lives with physical love, with physical battles, physical weapons, we might just die and go to hell. Because if you're a child of God, you understand the truth, the basic truth that this we know, that this is a spiritual war, and we're here to save souls. And we cannot love people where they're at unless we have agape love. We will move away from them. 
we will go over here in this clique of people that are nice to me and dress like me. And we will not follow the Lord's command to go to all nations and teach them. Well, what are you going to teach them? How to drive a car? You're going to teach them how to add up numbers? You might while you're trying to teach them about Jesus. That's why we're still here. You do the natural while you looking to do the supernatural by the Spirit of God with the Word of God for the glory of God so souls don't go to hell that are being lied to. Lots of people have been raised up in places where they're lied to by a spirit of error. And once you're indoctrinated, it's really hard to come away from that. That's what you see all through the Bible with Paul dealing with these Jews that, that have been taught all their life. I mean, these are Jews. The Jews memorized the first five books of the Bible by the age of nine. And then you want to come to them with another God is what they looked at it as. You're talking about some other God. No, I'm talking about the God of your scriptures, but you're reading the scriptures in the physical and not in the spirit, and you're looking for a physical God to come and take over the throne because you don't like being ruled by Rome, and, and, and you're missing the whole point that this is a spiritual life. And they missed Jesus, and they killed him. And you and I could do the same thing. We miss our calling. We miss what we're supposed to be doing. We miss that we're supposed to be growing and becoming more like this God who is love incarnate. Oh, I want to be like Jesus. Oh, oh, I don't love them people. I don't love them. They're dirty and nasty and they stink. Really? Sad, isn't it? My pastor, when he tried to get saved on a, the week of Christmas one year, he tried to go to a Baptist church, and they turned him away because he had duct tape on his boot, and he was dressed in a flannel shirt. And they told him, hey, hey, just, you know what, don't come in here. Come back next week when you're dressed better. Wow. And there was a lady sitting in that congregation that had been sharing with him for years and praying for him for years. But the Ushers said, no, don't come in here. You're dressed wrong, young man. But there was a lady crying out to God for him. See how the physical can really get in the way? When they finally got saved, both of them, him and Vic, were drunk as skunks looking for Tom's girlfriend in First Assembly, and they walked across the chairs to get down to where she was set at, drunk, and then some other elders that understood some things came and sat down beside them and said, you guys need to, you need to be still and calm down. You're in church. And received them where they were at and loved them. And at the end of the message, they went forward and fell on the ground. And the pastor testifies that they were drunk when they fell down, but they weren't drunk when they stood back up. And they said their church began to grow when their church received those two men. Now, one of them is still a pastor, and the other one quit following God. But their church began to grow when they loved the unlovable. And until we understand that this is a spiritual life, and we begin to love people where they're at, I'm not talking about being tolerant. That's the world's love. We're not tolerating sin. God is not winking at sin. Nobody winks at sin that's got any spirit of God in them. 
God, you think God winked at sin? He sent his only son to die for sin, and he knows it's serious. His son died on a cross, allowed his creation to kill him, and, and then he poured his blood out to pay for sin. He's not winking at sin. He poured out his full wrath upon his own son for the world's sin. And God would not be a loving God or a God that was unchanging if he wouldn't have done that. Because he had already said that he must exact punishment for sin. That sin has to be punished. There has to be a wrath for sin. So if nobody takes the wrath for sin, it's like a grandpa letting the kid in the back door going, come on in, I love you. It's not good to let kids do things that they want just because you're grandpa and let them in. That would change the character of God if he let us in without somebody paying for the sin. Listen to me. Very important. The only way that God even saved us with love was because His Son was love incarnate. He saved us by mercy and grace. Because He's love. There's a whole lot of characters of God that are immutable. You can't change them. And He's not going to violate His own law to let people into heaven. There has to be a payment. And if you don't follow his plan and receive his spirit, you don't get to go. And he already knows because he knows everything. He already knows what you chose. He already knows what you did. And he's pursuing you. He died for you. He loves you. He wants you to turn to him and surrender to him. But it can only be done in agape love by the Spirit of God. Unconditional love by the Spirit of God. Now listen to me. I want to give you one more thought about that. Jesus said to pray for your enemies. Is that love? Wait a minute. They're your enemy. See, you don't have to like somebody to love somebody. God hates sin. God hates sin, pride, arrogance, and the evil way. He hates it, but he loved the world, and he came and gave his only begotten son. If so, you don't have to like your enemy to pray for your enemy. You don't have to like the nature they're in, but you change it. Listen, as soon as I believe that Jesus is Lord and God raised him from the dead, everything about me changed. He pursued me. Positionally, everything changed. Positionally, I'm a new creation. Old things passed away. Behold, all things become new. But practically, now I'm walking that out. I know some of you will chase that thought for all day long today. And you feel free to, to come and talk to me a couple weeks from now that you don't have to like somebody to love somebody. See, like is a feeling. Love is an action. I can obey God without liking what God calls me to do. But if I continue to obey God in faith and I grow, I'll begin to know and then I'll like what God's calling me to do. It's something you're going to grow into. Your desires change. Your whole entire makeup changes and you begin to like what God calls you to do. There's things that I, I mean, God's called me to do and I spoke to so many people that the next week I'd read them in the newspaper that they died. And I'm like, honey, why does God do that to me? 
Because it doesn't feel good to speak to somebody their last chance to surrender their life to Jesus, and they say no. They say, I'm happy with where I'm at. And then the next week, they're in the newspaper. I do not like that. But it's what God has called me to do sometimes if you speak to people about the gospel. Yeah, there was a period, it was really weird. Me and my wife would look, and there they'd be in the newspaper. And it was just really strange. But it's almost just like when I got saved. You know, there I was, I'd never been to a funeral, and I went to nine of them the first year. Because I started being concerned about life and death and souls. And I started following my pastor to all the funerals he was doing so I could see how he was ministering and loving people. It's called discipleship. It's called teaching all people to obey. You don't learn to do drugs just by waking up one morning and go, I'm a drug addict. No, you hang with some people that are doing drugs already and they teach you the entire drug culture. Oh, you're, oh, don't get me wrong, your nature already wanted to do it. You were led away by your own desires. Now it's conceived and it gives birth and now it's death, James says. But you don't learn anything in life. Nobody, I mean, well, I guess some people do. They, they're born and they got a gift of being an artist or something of that nature. They're really gifted at something and they don't know it until they try it. Some people are just mean and they're really good at that naturally. I'm mean. I already know that. You don't have to tell me. God's working on me. I'm not finished yet. I ain't who I used to be. Let us love one another. Okay, let's look at another one. Because I, I got no uh, flesh in this, I hope. Let's look at uh, Matthew. I'm looking for the note. Matthew chapter... 16, I want you to see love. Matthew chapter 16, we'll just look at love in a really interesting way. Now listen, I'm going to give you some paraphrasing of it, and then we'll get to verse 23. We'll get to 21 and go through 23. The boys and Jesus are walking toward Jerusalem, right? And Jesus said to him, who do men say that I am? And they said, oh, some Elijah, some a prophet. And he said this, and this is what you need to answer. But who do you say I am? And Peter says, you're the Christ, the son of the living God. And he said, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, because flesh and blood did not tell you this, but my father told you this. And then he goes on to say, I will build my church on this confession. See, if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord and God raised him, this confession that Jesus is the Son of God, the Messiah, the anointed of God, that's, the, that's what he's building his church on. And by the way, he doesn't need our help to build the church. He said, I'll build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail. So if you find yourself out there trying to build a church, you need to smack your hand and go, No! Stop it. Just surrender and let the Holy Spirit agape people through you and teach truth. Tell them the truth. Share the truth. Live the truth. Be a living witness that testifies of truth. A changed life. Because so many people, they come up with their own little plan, and they, and they call it plan B right next to God's plan of building the church. 
And then they go, why did the gates of hell prevail against that church? Well, because it was built by the spirit of air. So, Jesus, or excuse me, Simon has this great revelation from God. The Father in heaven revealed it. See, no one comes to the Father except through the Son, and no one comes to the Son unless the Father draws him. That's Scripture. It's in there somewhere. Look it up. And then verse 21, from that time, Jesus began to show to his disciples, see, they could see it, that he must go to Jerusalem, suffer many things from the elders and chief priests and scribes, that's the ruling religious authority of Judah, and be killed and raised the third day. 22, then Peter took him aside. Now, wait a minute. Peter just had this spiritual understanding and knowledge from the Father that Jesus was the Messiah. Get this. Listen to me. He already confessed it. But then he took him aside and began to rebuke him, saying, Far be it from you, Lord. This shall not happen to you. Listen. But... Jesus turned to him and said, Peter, get behind me, Satan. You are an offense to me, for you are not mindful of the things of God, but the things of men. Then Jesus said to them, if anyone desires to come after me, follow me, be led by my spirit. Let him deny himself. Take up his cross, which was the instrument of death, and follow me. Follow means to be in the way with listen to me was jesus loving him was jesus loving peter when he said hey you're thinking with your emotions you're following the spirit of air that's not a proper statement get behind me satan your mind needs to be renewed you're thinking the way that the world thinks and you don't want me to die because of your emotions and feelings and you think you're loving me but you're really keeping me from doing the will of god same thing happened when Paul was going to uh, go up to Jerusalem. And, and, and they take his belt, Agabus does it, and ties himself up and says, Don't go. They're all pleading with him and crying and saying, Don't go, Paul, because we know that the Spirit expressly testifies that you're going to go up and be arrested. And all these bad things are going to happen. And they were they they tried to plead with him in their emotions and their feelings and not with the spirit of God and the truth of God and the agape love of God. But Peter had the mind of Satan to keep the Messiah from dying for the sins of the world, to keep the will of God from being done. And that's what if you don't have your mind renewed in the spirit, and you don't worship in spirit and truth. You'll always be living in your flesh, and you won't want to do anything that doesn't feel purposely used like you can get it accomplished. Doesn't feel like it's really God. Listen, we're not following a feeling. We're following faith. It's the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Why? Because He's a spirit. Nobody's ever seen God. It's in the text. Nobody's ever seen God. Well, wait a minute, Greg. There's a whole bunch of places in the Old Testament where they've seen God. No, they've seen a Christophany. 
They've seen the love of God in flesh, Jesus pre-incarnate, walking in the flesh with them. Even a physical king, Nebuchadnezzar, knew that when he seen him in the fire with Shadrach, Meshach, what's your name? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Your tongue twisted, it's a new tongue. He knew, he says, didn't we throw three in the fire? Uh-huh. There's four in there, and one looks like the Son of God. Well, how would he know that unless God revealed it to him? How would he know? There's just four in there now. Why did he say what he said? I mean, the Spirit of God used a donkey to speak to Balaam. He might be using a donkey to speak to you right now. But you have to trust that the Spirit of God is going to lead you into the will of God for the glory of God. And you can't keep living in the physical and thinking you're loving people by not saying something to them. You're loving people by resisting and joining the spirit of air. We want to follow the spirit of truth. Into all truth. And we want to have wisdom as we do that. And just so happens that Christ is the wisdom of God. You want to have wisdom because you can know all these things and then use them at the wrong time. Say them to the wrong people. So some you have compassion and some you save with fear, hating even the garment defiled with the flesh. It's a constant relationship with God. And it's not something you can fake. It's not something you can make up. It's not a plan where you can say, here's 12 steps to quit being a drug addict. That's all the world's got is a 12-step program. We have the Spirit of God. To be able to love others if we'll surrender. Isn't that amazing that God gives us His Spirit? God comes and lives inside of His creation? That's pretty amazing. But you know what's even more amazing? God died for His creation. That's even more amazing. And then He said, if you'll believe that in your heart and confess it with your mouth, I'll come and live in your house and straighten things up. If you'll listen to the instruction, you'll receive the understanding. But if you hate correction, you're stupid because I already told you you're going to hell. And I died for you. Who does this? I'm like, So what does the devil, the spirit of error, want to do? He wants you to follow something that looks like it, that's close to it. He wants to be like the most high God. He wants you to think you're okay, but you're always moving away from the spirit of error and following the wrong spirit. You're still living in the physical. You're still saying, don't do that, Lord. And he's saying, get behind me, Satan. You're not mindful of the things of God. You have to have your mind renewed with the things of God. And see, so the devil comes up with this plan that he's going to put a mark on us. Oh, yeah. Wake up, people. Why is he going to put a mark on us? Because he wants to steal our worship. He wants us to follow him. He wants us to be controlled by the physical and by him. He wants to be like the most high God. He wants to be omnipresent. He wants to be all powerful. He wants to be all knowing. So he uses AI, artificial intelligence, to begin to do that with cameras, with tracking devices. Listen to me, it's pretty important. We were talking the other day, me and Michael, we were talking about, isn't it strange that when the children of Israel, the Old Testament, children of Israel go in, the first city, that it was a burnt sacrifice, just like Christ. It was a burnt, Jericho was for God. So he got every bit of it. Burnt offering. That's what a burnt offering is. You, God gets every bit of it. He gets the first fruits. 
So Jericho was a burnt offering to God, my opinion. But when they took Jericho, one person thought that he didn't have to listen to God. And he caused death of a whole bunch of people. In fact, he took a, a Babylonian garment and some money and he hid it in his tent. And so then Joshua just says, let's go attack Ai, second city. Let's just go attack that city. I don't know why it's called Ai. I mean, I don't even know if it's artificial intelligence. I don't even know if it's a type, but it just sounds weird. And a bunch of people got killed because they attacked this little bitty tiny city because there was sin in the camp. See, our sin affects somebody else. You throw a pebble in the water, it ripples out and affects everything because we're a body of Christ. And until Achan was punished for that and removed from the camp, was it Achan? Am I right? Yeah, Achan, I thought it was. And then they go to take Ai, and they're hearing the voice of God. And he says, divide up and do like he did before. And some go over here, and some go over here. And, when, and, then, and you know what? When, they, when, when, when you go to Ai, and they come out as they did before, act like you're going to run, but don't really run. Just run so far and turn around, and the other team will come in the back, and then you'll have them trapped. And you can kill them. So he begins to give instruction, and they listened. They dealt with the sin in the camp, and then they listened, and they defeated the city. And that's the, way, the only way you and I are going to defeat the flesh. The only way we're going to defeat the old nature, the emotions, the physical, what we think is to listen to the instruction of God and deal with the sin in the camp. The sin is dealt with in Christ unless you allow it to stay there and you begin to practice it again. It's dealt with positionally. Now there's no punishment because he took our death. And now all we got to do is listen for sanctification, listen to the instruction of God, and then say, oh, I can't do that. I don't have any power to do that. Oh, wait a minute. The instruction tells me that I have a spirit now in me that gives me power to go do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Oh, wait a minute. I'm going to use that verse some other way. I'd like to go get some money, and I'd like to do great exploits. I'm going to use that verse over here for a whole bunch of physical things instead of the spiritual things. And that's what we've done in the church. We turn it into a physical uh, God will provide for all my needs. That's why I've got these $100, because God's providing for my needs. I think you're a little bit confused and deceived, and you're probably going to end up dead because you're not listening to what the Scripture means. But it's easy to follow because the flesh wants to follow it. So now you're following the Spirit of error because you haven't tested the Spirit. If you're testing the Spirit and you're following Jesus and you're just putting your hands to the task and doing the natural, He'll do the supernatural, and you won't have to want for the other things unless you need to want. Some people are homeless because they need to humble themselves. Some people are trapped in places because they need to humble themselves and cry out to God. But what do we do? We go give them crack pipes and say, you don't have to cry out to God. You can live on the streets and do better than people that are in their houses that are working their butts off. I've seen it firsthand. I used to work for a homeless shelter. I used to put people up. I used to go down to the streets when I was a young Christian and say, listen, we've got a bed for you. We can share with you. We can take care of you. Man, would you get away from me? Well, here, here's some coats. I don't want that coat. You think I want to carry that around? Get away from me, dude. They are choosing to be that. 99% of them are choosing to do what they're doing. And we want to help them stay there. That's the spirit of error. Instead of telling them the truth. They're making laws that you cannot even counsel somebody about uh, their sexual orientation now. That means they just took your, your right to your children. 
That means you can't talk to your children about it or you'll get in trouble. Listen to me. They're making laws that follow the spirit of error and people are following them. These are huge battles, but these are battles that are upside down in earthly, central, demonic wisdom. You and I are called to speak truth, to testify of truth, and let God deal with the rest of it. But we have to have wisdom. Sometimes you share truth and you go, whoa, they ain't hearing what I'm saying. I'm going to shut up. When I was a young Christian, I can just tell you, I wouldn't shut up. I would just pivot and be ready for the fight. That's flesh. Sometimes it's necessary. I learned a lot through it. I learned a whole lot to it. Believe me, when you're sharing with really crazy people and then now you share with people that are smiling and really nice, it's easier for me to keep going. I already stood in front of people that were drunk. and But we got to be prepared for this because guess what might be next year? You might get thrown in prison just for saying you're a Christian. How are you going to deal with that? Oh, I got one. You might lose your job because you didn't get a vaccine. Oh, we're supposed to say shot. My bad. It's not a vaccine, but I was just calling it what they're calling it. Listen, you might lose your whole livelihood because you don't listen. Now, here, this is, I'm getting back to this point, this mark. They've been subliminally and with literature and everything else that's physical, training the church, and the church is following them instead of the Spirit for years, subliminally. But they're like, ooh, if we could get to their neurological areas. If I, we could get in there and really just change what they think biologically, we could control them. So let's start with virtual reality TV, and we'll train what their reality is. And then we'll move to these things you put on your head. And then we'll move to these things you put them in your head. We'll just put it right in their head. And if we could hook up to the, the, the neurons in there, we could change what they think and what they hear, what they do what truth is, and we could control them and force our will upon them and live their life for them, and they'll live in a little tiny house and have nothing, and they'll like it. Interesting, huh? Sounds crazy, but it's all over the news. Sounds crazy. Now, what if it's, what if it's the shot? What if you have to, I mean, they already say they got the passports. It's got like eight different places you have to check on them. Well, wait a minute. I thought we only did three so far. Why is there eight already on there? How many do you have to have? Is it building some type of an operating system in you? Oh, wait a minute. Maybe if we put the Elon Musk's phone in the side of your head and nobody will ever be able to get to your money or be able to get, to, I mean, you'll just be able to think it and they'll call your friend. Man, this will be so convenient. I want him have to clock in at work. I'll just think it, clock in at work. And it's already hooked up to my body. So now I can... Maybe you guys missed it. Let me go over here and I'll say it again. God puts his spirit in you and you freely with love get to follow and he will change you into his image over here. Or you can choose to listen to the world and that spirit of air and they will take over and they will train you. You'll be like them and you'll stay dead because Satan is a murderer from the beginning. This is serious stuff. And he's going to put a mark on him and maybe even become omnipresent in such a way where he can't be God, but he can be like him. He'll know what you're thinking. He'll be able to change your thoughts. He'll be able to force his will. But God's a gentleman. He's never going to force. He just says, I love you. 
And if you love me, keep my commandments. And I'll pray the Father, and he'll send you another, the Spirit of truth that will be with you and in you and can come upon you and, and continue to form you into my image as a servant that lays down his life and goes back out and tells others that same truth in love. Not physical love. See, with physical love, you'll shut down. In physical, you'll shut down when somebody says, well, this is the way God made me. Let me ask you this question. Why are they not given burglars crowbars and flashlights? Oh, because they're giving them grocery carts? They can just go in and take it? Listen, this stuff is upside down. And we're still believing it. Do you know how many people are trusting it? They're liking it? They're saying yes with finally. Finally. And then if you turn that all around, why are they doing it? Because they're putting it back into CRT, critical race theory. And they're saying, because these white people deserve that. Listen, we're all sinners. We deserve death. All of us have done something wrong. All of us have sinned against God. Don't buy into the physical battle. If you're the true church and you have the Spirit of God, there's neither white nor black, slave nor free. There's, neither, there's nothing except for spirits. And last I checked, the spirits don't have any color. Do we deny any of the bad things that's happened? No. No, no, we don't deny that. In fact, I'm not denying that I was once a sinner, but now I'm saved by the grace of God. I'm not denying I used to rob houses. In fact, that's what I lead with. I lead with that of what I used to be, but I'm a new creation in Christ. Our nation should lead with we used to promote slavery, even in the church. But we led the march to get rid of slavery is the testimony. Nobody wants to talk about that. How did you do that? By righting wrongs that we seem were wrong. Not by helping people to keep being wrong. Not by, you don't, you don't cure an addict by giving them Suboxone or, or Methadone. You give them more drugs to cure drugs. That's the devil's plan to put gasoline on top of a fire. The church's plan is to tell them truth not error. The church's plan is to say Jesus can heal every sinner because he paid for it with his blood. He poured out his love. I didn't even get past one verse, did I? You people, you people talk too much. I didn't get past one verse. My goodness. Love. Here's another tidbit for you. I googled love, right? The first place it's talked about in the Bible, guess where it's at? Blows me away. Genesis 22. The same place that you see worship the first time. It's interesting because, see, you want to go back to Genesis where origins start out, and then you have the law of first usages and what it's used about. And it's so amazing that you know what it's used about? When God spoke to Abraham. And you, and you got to get this. Here, I'm going to sit down for you. Because you got to get this, because this will make you want to sit down. God spoke to Abraham, who he called out of Ur of Chaldean. His name was Abram. Abram had no kids. It means father. 
God says, I'm going to change your name to Abraham, which means father of many nations. He's got no kids, remember? That's pretty embarrassing. Where's your kids at? What's their names? I ain't got none. Well, your name, everything meant the name. That's why the name of Jesus, it's his character, his nature, it's his authority. So the first time you see love, it's God says, Abraham, Abraham. And he says, here I am. He says, take your only child, your only son, whom you love, first time it's ever used, physical love, been looking for that inheritance, been looking for that child, been looking for that promise. God finally gave it to me, and now it become my idol. This is the point. It became everything about it. Take your only son whom you love and sacrifice him on a hill, a place that I will show you. And Genesis 22 is a picture of Christ and a father on the cross carrying wood up the hill, and it actually says that. Abraham, don't lay a hand on the child. I will provide myself a sacrifice. Listen to him, because it is, it is the cross. It's on Calvary. It is the same hill. It's provable. Um, and then it's his only son. Wait a minute. Didn't he have one with Hagar when they tried to fulfill everything in their physical? Is this still on? Sounded so different. I think the furnace kicked off. It sounded real different. Didn't he have another son? He had one of the flesh with Hagar. Remember his name is Ishmael? It's where all the chaos comes from in the Middle East, Ishmael and his tribes. Well, some of it's from Keturah, his second wife when Abraham remarried. But look at Hebrews chapter 11. Oh, is that the hall of faith? Is that the chapter about faith? Is that the chapter of testimonies of all the people that went before us that lived by faith and they heard the instruction of God and they followed the instruction of God and they all look forward to the house not made with hands? Look at eleven seventeen. By faith, the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of not, things not seen, Abraham, father of many nations, when he was tested. Listen, this is our text. We're testing the spirits. We're testing ourselves. We're testing to make sure we're listening to the spirit of truth and not the spirit of error. And if we listen to God and turn at his rebuke, turn at his instruction, turn at what he tells us, he'll pour his spirit out on us and he'll make his words known to us. Proverbs 1.23. When he was tested, this was God testing him to see if he was going to listen to instruction with the things that he loved. His only child. And it's a type of Christ. It's a type of the Father. He offered up Isaac. Now, there's got to be something there. Do you know what Isaac means? Laughter. He laughed. She laughed. Really interesting. Isn't there got to be some joy there in offering up, being dead Denying self, taking up your cross and following. There's got to be some joy involved in that. When you laugh about it, you're offering up. Oh, never mind. And he who had received the promises offered up his only begotten son. Unique, only one. Same thing. Of whom it was said in Isaac... Your seed shall be called, concluding that God was able to raise him up even from the dead, from which he also received him in a figurative sense. Now, let me get this to you because this is important and you need to understand it. 
He never offered him. But in his heart, he did. And he received him back in a figurative sense because he was willing to lay down his life, that that he loved, in order to obey the instruction of God. This is how our desires are changed. This is how our mind is changed, is we're willing to give up the things that we love, that motivate us, the physical that we chase after, everything about this life in order to receive the blessing of God, the promises of God. But you have to lay it all down. If you don't deny yourself and let him give you the things back that you're supposed to have, and you keep hanging on to your stuff, you lose your own soul because you're ignoring God. You're not turning at his rebuke. You're not receiving the instruction. Listen, you're hanging on to stuff that's going to burn, and he wants to give you an inheritance that lasts for eternity. And all you have to do is turn loose of the things that burn. Turn loose of yourself. Turn loose of this fake, phony, worldly love, and you can have agape love and a blessing in the heavens. And I guarantee you, it'll be much better than what you're doing right now. Hiding, sneaking, faking, playing, pretending, struggling, trapped in bondage. You can be set free. I mean, Jesus says in John 8, 31 and 32, to the disciples who believed, to the Jews who believed, I mean, if you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed, and you will know the truth, and the truth will make you free. You know what they said? We have never been in bondage to anyone. Are you kidding me? You're going to hang on to that? That's your story? Should we enumerate them? The bondage of sin, the bondage of Babylon, Assyria, the bondage of Rome that you're under right now. But they really believed they were never in bondage to anyone. And that's your pride. That's hanging on instead of offering up your life, a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so you may prove, have evidence by this we know what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. He can do it better. He can do it best. He can get you across the finish line. He can help you love others. It's not this fake, phony love that we think we're helping people by allowing them to run around in their sin and continue, and we make it easier for them, and we put a pillow underneath their head, and they end up in hell. That's worldly sensual earthly demonic love that's the spirit of air john 4 first john 4 7 let me oh, let me just digress for a second how do you think peter felt when the lord of glory looked at him and said peter first he said his name and I've missed that before. I've read it so many times and never realized that first he made sure Peter knew, Peter, I'm not calling you Satan, Peter. Then he said, get, me, get behind me, Satan. How do you think Peter felt at that moment? See, because rebuke is not always fun. 
But if God is rebuking something you're doing, if God is giving you instruction, how would you argue with God? And even if you feel humbled, even if you feel chastised, even if it's for your betterment, think about it. That's love. Love is not allowing you to stay in your sin, to stay in your error, to follow the spirit of error and go to hell. Love came down. Love came toward us. Love came and rescued us. True love is not an emotion. It's a person. It's an action. Beloved, let us love one another. Impossible to love others without the Spirit of God. We can say we love, but it'll probably have a whole lot of error in it instead of correction. For love is of God, and that's where we're going to get it from, through the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit is what? Love. What's it look like, Greg? Joy, Isaac, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such there is no law. All of those things are qualities that the Spirit can grow in your life, fruit that they can grow in your life. I always think of it like a, like a, um, like a little cluster of grapes, and the vine is the love. Because he says, I am the vine and you are the branches. If a man abide in me, he can bear much fruit. But apart from me, he can do nothing. And then you go, oh, there's some joy. And you're, and, and you're eating those grapes. And, and, and love is still there. But all of these other things are on it. It's growing there. Anyway, that's just me. I'm weird. Verse 8. Oh, no, excuse me. Verse 7b. And everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. He just said the same thing, but he used the word love instead of truth. He used the word love instead of light. He used the word love because without love, we don't know God. Are you guys with me? Because it can only be done in the spirit, agape love, unconditional love. Okay, 1 Corinthians chapter 13. You guys with me? Chapter 13 of 1 Corinthians, Paul is teaching about spirituals. I know the word gifts is theirs, but it's not in the original text. It's spirituals. It's, it's the quality of walking in the Spirit. It's the fruit that comes from the Spirit. You can have spirituals. In other words, it's the character that becomes built in you as you allow the Spirit to rule your life. And then he talks about that, what that can look like and, and that we all have different ones and the Spirit gives them all. And then he talks about that you can't say that one has no need for the other. And then he says, but yet I show you a more excellent way. That's the last verse of chapter 12, which turns into chapter 13. The more excellent way is though I speak with the tongues of men and angels, but have not love, I have become sounding brass and clanging cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy, foretelling of the word of God, and understand all mysteries, listen, this is what's going on, and have all knowledge, you need to know this, and though I have the, or excuse me, and have not love, and though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains, 
but have not love, I am nothing. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Listen, you could do all those other things. They can all be pretended. They can all be faked. But apart from him, nothing. Apart from love, which is God is love. We haven't got to that, did we? Because I've been so long-winded. Verse 3, and though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor. Many people give all kinds of stuff. Many people give everything. Many people brag about how much they give. Remember Jesus and the widow's might? And those people come and they threw all their money in and they made these horns where the money fell way down and it rolled around and it made a lot of noise so everybody could see how much they were given and how long it was taken to get to the treasury. And this woman put in one little mite, which was like a third of a penny. And Jesus said, she gave more than all the rest because she gave all. She gave her livelihood. She was a widow, nobody to take care of her. She didn't have any money, and yet she gave all. They were just giving out of their abundance. They were just giving out where they felt like, well, if I give this or I do this or if I go there, and I think I can handle that, but I can't go past that line. She surrendered all. It wasn't about money. God's not broke. It was about the heart that hangs on to stuff. God's not broke. But we are born bankrupt. And if we don't give it back to God, our whole life will die bankrupt. But we can have everything. Full inheritance. Love, verse 4, 13, 4, suffers long, long suffering. It means a long wick. Burns for a long time. Is kind. Love does not envy. Love does not parade itself. Thinks no evil. Does not rejoice in inequity, but rejoices in the truth. Bears all things. Believes all things. Hopes all things. Endures all things. There's many people that do this crazy exercise and say, put your name in there instead of love. So you can put Jesus' name in there and it still makes sense. We put our name in there or somebody else's name in there. Makes no sense whatsoever. But you can put Jesus in there because he is love. Love never fails. But whether there are prophecies, they will fail. Whether there are tongues, they will cease. Whether there is knowledge, it will vanish away. For we know in part and we prophesy in part. But when that which is perfect has come, then that which is in part will be done away with. That's why I'm telling you, I have no capacity to tell you about God because God's ways are not my ways. I have no capacity to tell you about agape love because God's ways are not my ways because God is love. But I have all the capacity to surrender and allow him to live through me and model it and be a witness and give testimony that I have seen that Jesus is the son of God. That's what he says in the text, by the way. And you give witness of it. Where am I at? Verse 11. When I was a child, how many still child? I spoke as a child. I understood as a child. I thought as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. Now, this can be talking about an immature Christian, and then you start to grow up and become mature. Or the child could be in reference to not being born again. But then when you receive the Spirit, now you become a child of God, a man of God, a woman of God. And you don't live childishly anymore and pursue all those things. I don't know which one it is. You figure it out. 
but we'd have to put away childish things and we're supposed to be growing and not staying where we're at by refusing to listen to instruction and quenching the Holy Spirit and forgetting about love and choosing who we love and choosing who we don't love and choosing what we say and choosing what we don't say. God died for everyone. And I say moment to moment, you need His wisdom and His leading to know whether you're supposed to share with people or not. But He does want us to share with people. And if we're not sharing with people, we're probably resisting the work of the Holy Spirit. For now we see, verse 12, in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then I shall know just as I'm also known. Pretty amazing, huh? They used to have mirrors made out of tin that they would shine up. Most of you don't understand that, but I used to look in a tin mirror for years in prison. They didn't have glass mirrors. They just shine a piece of metal. And you can dimly, barely see what you're looking at in the mirror. But you can see enough to know that there's a face in there. But now today we have all these glass mirrors. You can see clearly. You can see even better. You get one of them with a light on and a magnifying. You go, oh, I didn't know that was there. Let me get that. Oh, I'm sorry. Um, but that's the way it is when we're here now. Even in the spirit, as you're trying to live for God, you're only seeing dimly. You don't see everything. God hasn't given us everything. God isn't showing us everything. If he did, we would pop. We're seeing dimly. And our prophecies, our foretelling the word of God's going to fail, and tongues are going to fail, and all those things are going to fail. But love, look, last line. Love never fails. And now abide, dwelleth, continues, remains, faith, hope, and charity. These three. But the greatest of these is charity. That's what it is. It's charity. It's giving himself away. God gave himself away. And if we want to walk in agape love, we have to give ourselves away. We have to be charity. We have to understand that he gave himself away to save souls. And then he sent us to give ourselves away to save souls. And he will agape love through us. He will unconditionally love others if that is our mindset, if that is our heart, if that is our surrender to allow the Spirit to go to all nations and teach them to obey all that God commanded us. By faith, with the hope he's coming to get us, knowing the hope that he will do it if we step out on the water and give ourselves away. Charity. It's free a free gift it's charity it's love now that's not the word that was used charity wasn't used oh was it oh yeah it was i was joking it's the same word it's charity god is charity he's giving always the self-existing one is always giving of himself if you're there to receive yes Problem is we don't come to him looking to receive. We come to him wanting to ask for things, but we want to use it for our own selfish desires. We come to him asking amiss. We come to him asking for the wrong reasons. Instead of his will be done, we want our will to be done. Are you 
looking in any way to give yourself away to others so that they can live for Christ better. Sounds like a marriage relationship, doesn't it? Yeah, that's the model. That's the mystery. That's the hope. Is that as we're married to Christ, we would give ourselves away so other people could be better Christians. As we're married to somebody physically in a marriage unit, we give ourselves away to them in love, in charity, by faith, in hope that God will change them. We don't run from them and divorce them because they didn't do what they wanted to do. You're not doing that with God, are you? You running from them? You you refusing the instruction? You doing that with God? Ends in death. Think about it. All all of it in the spirit, not in the flesh. Problem we have is we mix it all together and we try to make it fit what we want to do, and we come up with the wrong God. We come up with the spirit of error. And by the way, God hates divorce. And if you are divorced or have been divorced, you should ask God to forgive you of being divorced because it's a sin, just like any of the other sins we talked about earlier. The the, the homosexuality, all those things are a sin because you coveted it before God that you were going to be married. And you said, I will, I will. And then you didn't. So that's called sin. Now, if it was before you came to Christ, then all that sin was wiped away when you came to Christ. The love chapter. I can't do it. I can't even talk about it. But the Spirit of God can teach us what agape love is. Unconditional love of giving yourself away, denying yourself, taking up your cross and following, being led by the Spirit of God. Verse 8, 1 John 4, 8. He who does not love, agape love, does not know God. Wait a minute. Here's another one of them. It could have been, by this we know, for God is love. Now he said it. But if we don't allow the Spirit of God to work through us in agape love, that's what he's saying here. We don't know God because that's what he came to do. We don't understand God. Now, I know there's a way or there's a place where we don't understand God, but he's given us this much that we need to surrender to him. He's given us this much as we need to be led by his spirit. He's given us this much is that we should love one another. It's the one another ministry. And we can't love one another without the spirit of God. Verse 9, in this, the love of God is manifested. It's made clear. It appeared toward us that God has sent his only begotten son into this world that we might live through him. See, if you have the spirit, you're going to live. If you're in the flesh, you're going to die. Again, it's the same thing as love. They all go hand in hand because they all speak of God. He's our all in all. In this is love not that we love god but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation of our sins now with me 
Propitiation means atonement. And if you break atonement up, it means at one with God again. But with scholars, they say this is representing the mercy seat of God. Because in the Old Testament, that's where atonement was made, at the mercy seat of God. So that's what, why we're saved. I, know, I mean, I, I know everybody always quotes, we're saved by grace. We're saved because of mercy. The love of God had mercy upon us. Titus 3, 5 says, not by works of righteousness, what you have done, but because of the mercy of God. You have been saved through the washing and regeneration and renewing of the Spirit. And what did the mercy do? Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. For by grace, through faith you have been saved. For by faith you have been saved. Say it again. Somebody say it for me because my brain just went dead. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourself. It is a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. But it was the mercy that provided the grace. But we twist things around, and prophecies fail many times in that sense. He sent because of his love. He didn't save because of his love. He sent his heart, his love down. Not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the mercy seat. The mercy of God has appeared to all men, teaching us to live godly in this present evil age. For our sins, our harmatea, are missing the mark. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. I'm following Jesus' example. What would Jesus do? We make it costume jewelry, but we don't stop and think about that there's no way to love people the way Jesus loved them unconditionally. He came toward the unlovable. Or here it is, Romans 5.8. God demonstrates his own love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died. I mean, this is the love. This is agape love. And if the Spirit of God is in us, then the love of God is in us because God is love. And that love should cause us to go out and speak to people about Jesus. And if they hear us, they have the Spirit of God. If they don't hear us, then they're of the world. And we still plant and water and we look to reap a harvest. But we're called to be witnesses. Some are evangelists. All of us are called to give testimony of what we've seen and heard. And the Spirit of God is there as the power to do that. Have you considered that or are you still following the Spirit of error? No one has seen God at any time, verse 12. If we love one another, God abides in us. See that? By this we know, he said. You didn't see God. You're not going to say, man, I've seen God. they live living for God. They, they have the Spirit of God. I see God. No one sees God because we're talking about a spirit, right? You can't see a spirit. And in the Old Testament, they've seen Christ just as in the New Testament. Christophany is what it's called. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And the Word come to earth, John 1.14, and took flesh, and we beheld His glory, the glory of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. So if you want to know if God abides in you, what a statement. I should save this, right? 
What a statement. If we love one another, God abides in us. See, that the love is going to be growing. The fruit of the Spirit is going to be growing. And we're going to see it in the love for one another. Not in looking at them and going, they're not perfect yet. I think I'll just wait before I do anything for them. But if the love of God abides in us, we'll know it by the way we treat other people. Especially those of the household of faith. And his love has been perfected in us or is being perfected in us. By, there he's going to say it now, finally. He didn't want to say it 25 times. By this we know, we understand, we're learning that we abide in him and he in us because he has given us his spirit, of his spirit. Isn't that crazy? Look at that statement. The creator of the universe abides in us and we abide in him. And we can know it today, and we don't have to wait to get to the throne room and go, guess, wonder, and worry. We can walk in peace. We can be at rest. We can understand by just testing the spirits and our spirit first. And look what he says in 14. And we have seen and testify. They've seen it. They handled him. They touched him. We've seen in chapter 1. And now they're giving testimony to it. What does witnesses do? They give testimony. And other people have to look at it and say, I'm going to look at the veracity. Is this true or is this not true? And if they have the Spirit of God, they'll hear and they'll believe it to be true. And if they don't have the Spirit of God, they won't believe it. And they'll stay in this world. And they'll die and go to hell. Because you have to believe the testimony. What testimony? That the Father has sent the Son as Savior of the world whoever confesses professes says the same thing that god says about that that jesus is the son of god god abides in him and he in god so these are things that you continue to do you continue to say and we have known and believed the love that god has for us god is love second testimony second witness let a matter be established. And he who abides in love abides in God and God in him. So this, again, by this we know. If we allow the Spirit to rule and reign in our life, to lead us, to teach us, to bear fruit in our lives, and we begin to love others because, the love, because God first loved us, then we know that we've been born again. So there's evidences, there's growth, there's changes, there's maturity. There's not a selfish, erring spirit that does what they want to do and chases the world and said a prayer and thinks they're going to heaven. It's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. You can tell a tree by its fruit. Are you listening to the spirit of truth or the spirit of error? Again, by faith, you never see it until afterwards. It's a substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. You hear the instruction, you hear the reproof, you hear the call to turn, and you step and turn. And then you see the fruit. You see the evidence. Once, no, nobody believed Peter could walk on water until he stepped out of the boat. And then they're all like... And then he got his eyes back on the physical, and he started to sink. And I believe our life is going to be processes of that. And we can live by faith 
better as we grow and learn to allow the Spirit to lead our life, dictate our life, instruct our life, and we repent when we hear the reproofs of correction, which are the way of life. Father, we pray that we would hear your Spirit, not the Spirit of error, that you would clearly help us to judge and discern the difference between those spirits, and it would be because of a love relationship that we have with you, because we spend time in the Word, Prayer, and Fellowship. Lord, pour out your Spirit. We know you're coming soon. They're trying to put a mark on us, but we know that because of your spirit, you've already overcome them. And we're overwhelmingly more than conquerors, and we fight from victory, not for victory. Thank you for getting the victory for us. Thank you for sending the spirit back. Thank you for the promise that you're coming to take your church home. May we be found faithful because of your spirit. May we be found working because of your spirit. May we be found waiting because of your Spirit. Pour out your Spirit upon us, Lord. Give us eyes to see and ears to hear what you would say to the church. In Jesus' name, amen. The Lord bless you. And that concludes today's message on Who Am I? with Pastor Greg Tyra of Harvest Chapel in Williamsport, Indiana. If you're in the area, we would love to have you as our guest. Harvest Chapel is located at 418 Old State Road 28, Williamsport, Indiana 47993. We meet for worship on Sundays at 10 a.m. Our prayer meetings meet Wednesdays at 6.30 p.m. Our Bible study meets on Friday at 7 p.m. Today's and previous messages are available on CD. If you would like a copy, please call 765-404-7203. We look forward to seeing you again next time on Who Am I? Whom shall I fear? Whom shall I fear? Because I